0: Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host of the Pain Cave. And tonight we are going to return to our This Month in Ultra Running series in which we like to take a look back at some recent results and headlines from the world of ultra running and look forward to some of the things that we're excited about in the future. Joining me tonight for this, as always, is my good friend, the Fulham Flyer, the Jeff Browning to my Jeff Daniels, the legend himself. Phil Vondra. Phil, thanks for joining us tonight.
1: All right. It's good to be back down here in the cave with you, Jay.
0: Welcome back. I haven't seen you for a whole 24 hours when we ran in the sauna-like conditions of upstate New York in August. You are getting ready to head out of town in just a few days, right?
1: Yeah, it was a nice little uh, sweaty run we had last night, and that was uh, fun. And I'm getting ready to head off to the Fat Dog 120, which is uh, turned into a 103. So I'll be heading off to Vancouver in a couple of days. Uh, looking forward to seeing those mountains and uh, and racing that amazing course. Uh, it's a little bit shorter, but I think they've uh, they've done a great job, added uh, an extra climb on there. So uh, it should be should be fun times, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. You had said uh, you're, you're basically going to be able to see the finish and then turn around and have a good 20-mile loop with a 6,000-foot climb to go still. Yeah, it should be nice. That's going to be fun.
1: Yep, get right up on the top of that climb and look down on the finish line and realize it's only about three hours away. <laughs> It's always fun.
0: Uh, Before we get started tonight, as usual, tell the people what we're drinking, Phil.
1: Tonight I'm drinking a Polar Salsa water, lime flavored, (laughs) it's calorie free. (laughs) Um, I'm uh, trying to be good with my beer consumption prior to my race. Good for you. Um, I will make up for it afterwards, don't worry. And (laughs) I see you're cracking a very fine uh, Diet Coke there. That's That's right, right. I'm going to join you in
0: solidarity here, cheers. All right, hang on a sec. Mm,
1: it's nice, sort ah, of refreshing. sour and refreshing. Yeah, it's lovely. It's like a yes. sour kind of beer. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not really. I like beer. All
0: right. Yes, but we'll we'll be happy to take a sponsorship from Diet Coke or uh, Polar. Polar. Yeah. Great. Polar the... We'll, we'll take a sponsorship from Polar the Spring Water or Polar the Heart Rate Monitor. Yeah. If that's still get. a thing. Is that still good. a thing?
1: Um, yeah, they still make... Yeah, uh, they make them. Yep. Still some, out there. I
0: think somebody owns them now, actually. Anyway... Phil, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back online here. We haven't done this since uh, the week before, or the week after you came back from Bighorn and I went off to the big show at Squaw. And since then, a bunch has happened, obviously, that we're going to get to. Yeah, We are both getting ready for our next races, as you said, which is going to be great. And why don't we start by just going a little bit back to States since uh, we haven't been able to kind of give our opinions. I mean, that's been a while ago now, but... I had a great time, and obviously it was an epic day out there with Jim's course record and everything else. Just pick out one or two storylines that you were excited about coming out of state, something that impressed you, something that surprised you, or anything else that might have caught your eye.
1: Um, I mean, obviously, Jim breaking that course record in such a a fashion. What an amazing race. He's finally put that thing together, absolutely crushed the course, uh, super hot, just brilliant to see him uh, finally do that. And uh, you know, I wanna give a shout out to Ian Sharman, you know, fellow Englishman there, rocking sure. in fourth place. I mean, you know, he's always a top temper anyway. but like I think that's a, that's a real solid solid run from him getting fourth and Jeff Browning in fifth. I mean, two two of the uh, older statesmen, shall we say. Uh, not yeah. quite up there my my lofty age. But uh <laughs> yeah, I but mean, there. great to see guys like that putting in solid performances. Yeah. Um yeah. Watching really
0: them cool. it was it was funny. I saw the two of them. They they were both very near each other from from pretty early on. And the second time I saw them, which was at Dusty Corners, about mile thirty eight, they they were already higher up than I was in the field than I was expecting. Right. I, I was kind of thinking they'd be in the twenties maybe yeah. there, place wise. Kind of
1: Jeff Browning style, isn't it? It's kind of hang back and it exactly. a lot of Exactly. Exactly.
0: And they were already both yeah. either in the back half of the top ten or just outside and right. Both of them looked fine, but neither of them looked amazing, especially having seen Jim come through just looking so smooth and relaxed. And I kind of, part of me was like, oh, did they screw this up? Were they out too early? Because it wasn't exactly the race that I was expecting from them especially right. on a hot day like that and yep. uh, no of course not you know they did it perfectly just like they always do
1: yeah um i mean obviously courtney winning i mean you know she, she had an amazing race she kind of held back i think a little bit and just then, brilliant and then just you know ramped it up and stormed to a very impressive win but uh also lucy bartholomew i yeah. mean second place first hundred uh great great result for her and she, she uh, was the yes, she was impressive. the kind
0: of revelation for me, just watching her run. She took it out hard early and looked yeah. really, really comfortable. And she's, she's a lot of fun to watch run. I mean, yeah. she's really smooth, uh, very relaxed and yeah, really no fear going after it early on. And That's and smart. even when Courtney came back on her and, and Courtney charged hard uh, yeah. to catch her and, and Courtney ran unbelievably well, not that anyone expected anything differently, but she, I mean, she hung in there. She did not, you know, wilt and she really Uh, Lucy pulled out a great performance and that was a lot of fun to see Courtney Courtney really I had not seen her run before in person and just seeing her in the aid stations was really impressive just yeah she she really had it down to a science in terms of she knew exactly what she needed her crew was great she was smiling the whole way she was very relaxed there was you know absolutely no stress no panic you know yeah she she, exactly she runs very happy very relaxed and just watching her work was was really really impressive yeah it's cool
1: yeah i saw um like a little youtube thing with lucy bartholomew at uh, estates and she was there with her dad and it was really cool you know he was out there kind of crewing for her helping her and he got her into running i mean they, she'd been running with him you know since she was fairly young oh, that was really cool nice uh, definitely worth uh, a search and if you can find that watch it
0: it was a great scene as always to be you know involved in and observing i had a lot of fun and just yeah. watching watching everything go on there was great. You know, the weather, I, I don't really know what to say about the weather at that race anymore. I mean, it was hot. It's, yeah. it's I feel like it's always hot there. And you know, it's just, I guess managing the heat is, a, is just a skill that, that you're gonna need to have there. I mean, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to go there and expect it to be anything other than 100 degrees, Absolutely, I don't think, yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's, that's a huge part of it. And you know, it's interesting, it was funny, because I had talked to Eric Schrands the day before the race, and one of us had mentioned Lucy Bartholomew, and Eric said, "Yeah, he's, he's like, I don't know much about her. I know she's really talented. I also know it's not summer in Australia right now, and right. that's. I mean, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. but being able to to manage that heat coming yeah. from yeah, it's it's winter there right now, and I know it's not the coldest place in the world, but certainly so
1: so, not in a hundred degrees. No, exactly, race, so, yeah. exactly.
0: So to be able to manage the heat that way was really yeah. very impressive." Francois uh, really ran well.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he ran really well. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he's a mountain runner. I mean, there's obviously some gain on this course, and it's, uh, it's at altitude. Um, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, definitely some good runners behind him. Um, solid performance. But, I mean, Jim's like an hour and a half ahead of him. I know. Um,
0: but even, I mean... The, the last time I saw the two of them was through Forest Hill at 62. Right. And Jim, I mean, at that point, just looks like he is, you know, out for an easy, you know, yeah. tempo run, basically. Yeah. And then Francois comes by 20 minutes. I mean, Jim had 15 to 20 minutes on him at that point. Right. And then you're like, oh, that's, you know, he's he's struggling when you compare him to, to what Jim's look like. And then you realize he's still on course record pace. I mean, Francois yeah. at that point was still running right the same splits that Tim Olsen had run and, and that wow. Rob Cryer had, won, had run a, yeah. a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that was the thing was we, we saw Jim and and he just kind of kept pulling out this lead very gradually and yep. looking very, very smart and very relaxed mm-hmm. and, and never looked under pressure. And then you had to keep in, in the back of your mind that Francois and for, for a little while, uh, the second or the third and fourth place guys who were right with him. We're, we're basically on course record pace themselves, which was just it put, just put Jim's performance just into a whole nother realm.
1: Yeah, I guess hard to really think about that when Jim's going so fast that he's you know way under course record pace, and the other guys are on course record pace, right. like, oh, they're looking kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, obviously it's, they're they're quick.
0: Yeah, uh, no, it was yeah, it was cool. very impressive, very impressive, and uh, great to see. Just a quick shout out to Eliza Lapierre who yep. ran a very smart, very contained race, uh, well within herself. Saw her a bunch of times out on the course. I uh, got to talk to her a few times, a lot of fun to catch up with her. She's another one who just runs with so much gratitude and just very relaxed, very contained the whole way, you know, never gets too high, never gets too low. You know, even when she's struggling, she she knows it's going to turn around and she just keeps doing her job. And I mean, that's the mark of a, a real professional, you know, she just, yeah. she knows what to do. She doesn't deviate from the plan and, and it paid off. She ran yeah. a, a really great race on on a day when I think she would admit she didn't necessarily have her A game. But she had enough, and she had uh, she was able to draw on her experience enough to really put in a, a good result, right. in another top ten for her. It was great to see her there. Yeah, Amanda Basham as well, fourth, solid result there. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously she's kind
1: of working her way up, you know these these in these big races now. Right. I mean, and that that's was a was legit
0: field, good result. That was a name very, we both mentioned, I think, in in our yeah. preview was that yeah. somebody we thought could really make some noise, and yeah, she uh, she she ran really really well. She ran yeah. really smart. I just was kind of in somewhere between like third and sixth, basically all day yeah. long, just really, really smart running.
1: So you, do so you like States? You recommend I try and enter it this year? Try yeah. Try and get in for yeah, next year, Give it a go. Yeah. I mean, just cool, sign I'll it. Just, just sign up. It should be fine. Just sign up. I mean, in. You, definitely get in, right? Yeah. Why not? Shouldn't be all an right. issue. I'll give it a go. It sounds like fun times.
0: <laughs> all right. So uh, that's, again, we're not going to belabor States because it's, it's a while ago now, but yeah. it was a, a great race as usual. And uh, a lot of great storylines come out of there. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on since then. I th- I'd like to break this into a couple of different sections. Let's talk about, I mean, the first thing we, I, I think we should talk about is Hard Rock, everything that went on there. And and kind of, I want to talk a little bit about just Hard Rock in general. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, beyond just what happened this year. I want to talk a little bit about, we, we mentioned Vermont. We'll talk about that. We'll go over some recent other results, and then we'll dip into some of the FKTs that I'm going on, and sounds we'll good. get out of here three days from now. I'm sure. All right,
1: sounds, like. sounds great. I've got still got half a can of salsa water left, so that's good. about <laughs> as much as uh, food as I drink on a hundred mile run, so
0: <laughs> that works. Um, let's talk a little bit about Hard Rock because that after states, kind of that's the biggest. Uh, event on the calendar until you get up to basically UTMB at the end of August. Yeah. So, and, you know, this year for a year that looked like there wasn't going to be a lot of drama when we saw the start lists really kind of (laughs) unfortunately became rather fraught with drama. Yeah. Going into Hard Rock after Killian basically, I don't know if he withdrew or basically just never except I, I wasn't clear on whether he, he was ever his really wasn't there but you know yeah, he crushed the grand
1: round won the mont blanc marathon and yeah, his fitness know wasn't was, there you know? his fitness just not quite my fitness stuff. wasn't there and i could do that
0: but once he pulled out or, or confirmed that he wasn't running uh, i mean it was great to see jeff browning got in yeah as uh off the wait list pretty late i, I think only about a week out yeah. but it, it really just looked like it was basically going to be uh xavier Th- uh, thevenard the- 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 yep and basically jeff and and those seemed like by far the cream of the crop and and we thought maybe there wouldn't be too much drama on the men's side uh, or the women's side, really, with, again, a couple of names. But uh, it seemed like uh, Sabrina Stanley was probably the, yeah. at, at least from my perspective, the overwhelming favorite, favorite. For sure. And then, of course, we had what happened. So the incident in the parking lot. So why don't you kind of set the stage for anyone else listening who might not, I can't, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this right now who gives a shit enough about ultra running in general to listen to this podcast who has not heard what yeah. happened, but, but tell us a little bit, kind of set the stage. I'll, I'll, I'll set oh, yeah. the stage very briefly. I mean, uh, Xavier was out in front, uh, pretty from pretty early on. And by about the forty. To forty-five mile uh, mark, I think they came through the the Ouray aid station. They at were 43. two miles, I
1: think, outside that aid station, or something. Right. So they
0: they passed through there, and he had, I think, about a, an hour lead on yeah, Jeff at I that think point. Maybe a little place. A little over. Right. And then they came to a road crossing.
1: Yes. And there was an incident where I think Xavier and his pacer met um, their girlfriends in the parking lot, and uh, they popped the trunk. Where they were seen to be consuming a beverage, right. uh, I was told it was Perrier water, but I'm not sure if someone was <laughs> having a laugh, <laughs> taking the piss, as they say. Uh, but yeah, we've seen to yeah, have a drink you and know those got French some ice. I mean, I've seen what Perrier can do for you. I'm a, a polar, polar, polar source of water yeah, guy, yeah. but uh, not that we want to take uh, Perrier's money either. Yeah. Take that. Uh, yeah, and someone was there with their dog. They took a picture of them, and uh, they ended up reporting it to the race director, Gail, I think is the mm-hmm. Gail, Yeah. And uh, ultimately, they made some inquiries and uh, caught up with him with about nine miles to go and disqualified him right. and uh, for taking outside aid. Right. Uh, I think they offered him to run to the finish, but he declined. Right. Um, and then the storm... Worse than a storm in the San Juans brew up brewed up on the internet
0: well, and that was inevitable given what went down, but yeah, yeah, so there's a couple issues to unpack here, so right, as you said, they were about two miles past the outside the uh the U-ray aid station Is it ray or u it's ray right uh sounds good, yeah it works we're gonna we're gonna say ray yeah okay so well, it's I two miles- say
1: U-ray, you say U-ray. <laughs> sure. like tomato, tomato kind of thing
0: <laughs> so As you said, it was a couple miles past there. It was in a parking lot that was not an official aid station. So the infraction was receiving aid outside of an aid station, which is clearly stated apparently in the handbook that, you know, anything outside of, I think, 400 yards of an aid station is considered illegal. Now, several issues here. Number one is the penalty for this infraction is not clearly delineated in the handbook. It says it may result in disqualification. That's correct. It does not. Uh, required disqualification so that was one issue the second issue that people had a lot of problems with is that he was allowed to continue until as you said about nine miles from the finish at which point he had a based on what we three could hours. calculate it looked like at least two and a half hours uh, maybe three hours three. late. yeah now that, that was not the first time that they contacted Xavier or his team between those two points. So no, there, were a cu- there were a couple of... No, they made some
1: inquiries with him. They, they got hold of a translator right. and uh, spoke to him about what happened. Initially, he denied what happened. But I don't know if that is more a confusion over the way he was questioned. That's, I guess, a bit of an issue. Yes. I don't know. And then eventually he confirmed what had happened, what they thought happened. Which is I think that, that he was took the... some
0: water and some ice, yeah. basically. Yeah. Now... I I'm going to leave aside the what you know whatever he denied or didn't and I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that you know it's it's basically late at night you've been running for many hours at this point you're you're speaking your second language with a translator or your third language who are, I don't know what his how how well he or his crew spoke English and whether or not there was some confusion there I'm sure there was as to what was being asked or or yeah um and and so that's that's neither here nor there the The fact that it took them so long to come to this decision, I think, speaks to the fact that this was an unusual situation that they were dealing with in real time, yeah. and again, compl- complicated or compounded by the fact that you're dealing with a a person who's not a native English speaker, and and you really they needed it with a lot yeah, of and moving they're deep parts. Deep into a long run, and together. they're tired. I mean, it's hard. So I don't when it right. The, the more of the story came out the more sympathetic I was toward the race director and, and the board of Hard Rock. Yeah. When, when we first met for the run that morning, and it was like, oh my God, he got DQ'd with nine miles to go, and it, you know, from, 50, from a, an incident 50 miles earlier, what are they doing? Yeah. But the, the more you learned about it, the more... It sounded like they were really trying to do their due diligence and really kind of suss out exactly what had happened. Okay. They made the determination that he received aid outside of the aid station, and... He was right. He was informed at the 91 mile mark that he was going to be disqualified. He could continue on to the finish as an unofficial finisher, which he declined to do. And he took a ride back at that point. Okay. I I had a couple of kind of points that I wanted to go over with you. And we've talked about this a little bit. Number one, I I think they were, I think the, the race organizers completely made the right decision in that this was an infraction that could not be ignored. I don't—and and to me, disqualifying him do you was, say race organizer or run organizers? Well, that's another thing I wanted to bring up, which we'll touch on in a second. The, the decision to make, to disqualify him as opposed to some sort of lesser penalty is something that I think can be examined. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with disqualifying him. The rule is unambiguous, and this is a rule that really— Unlike some other rules, like there, there was actually another disqualification later in the day for somebody yeah. who had actually run off course and then had not returned to the point that they had left the course. And, yeah. you know, that's an unfortunate disqualification. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that guy call. was malicious. I think he right. just got lost. Right. You know, and I think he was trying to avoid a storm or something yeah, like that. He was hiding. He's hiding. He's taking shelter from a storm. So that, again, is, is an unambiguous and that's an easy disqualification for yeah. me. But even breaking that rule is fairly harmless. In this case, if you're going to ignore an infraction like this, receiving outside aid, especially in a race of this, uh, with this degree of remoteness and just the safety issues inherent to that, I think is, is very wrong. If, if this was not addressed in a very serious way, taken very seriously by the race organizers, you're basically saying it's open season on wherever you want to go on the course uh, yeah, with got aid. food trucks pulling up, you sure, got, you know <laughs> all kinds of stuff but, going on. But at this point, there, at that point, there's nothing that's going to prevent you, uh, your crew, from hiking into a remote area to bring you aid, and that's putting themselves at risk and making, if something goes goes wrong, an extrication very difficult for. Yeah,
1: lots of people on you know, a very rugged, on course, a very rugged for, You know, danger.
0: Right, and, or hiding or stashing bottles or stashing supplies along the course, which again yeah. gets into safety issues and that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I really have no problem with dealing with this infraction very seriously. Did he need to be disqualified? What are your thoughts on that? Because his, his, his statement and his, his feeling was, I understand they needed to take this seriously. A one or two hour time penalty would have been appropriate. What are your thoughts yeah. on that?
1: It's tricky because then, you know, you could kind of say, well, he took one sip of water, it was was one hour's worth of time penalty, or he got, you know, a ham sandwich, he got a Diet Coke and, a, yeah, you know, a glass of water, it was two hours. Right, right. No, and no, you no, open that's... it up a little bit there, like, then it becomes various degrees of what happened.
0: And that, that, to me, that's, I mean, people were starting to make that, the argument that, well, it was a sip of water, it didn't help him. No, you can't make that argument. That's, uh, you can't get into, right well, it was a sip of water, that didn't help. Well, okay, what if it was a sip of water and a gel? Well, all right, that didn't help him too much. Okay, well, yeah. what if it was a sip of water and half of a Coke and a ham sandwich, like you said? Yeah. I mean, you can't, we don't know exactly what he took, and even if it was a sip of water, it doesn't matter. You can't argue degrees in this case, to yeah. me, anyway. So the question is, any any outside aid, does that deserve a DQ versus a time penalty or some other penalty?
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the tricky things is, is that, um, you know, they've set a precedent there. So, and... Kind of for good or for bad. I mean, anyone going into that race now will be like, hey, do you remember a few years ago this guy took a sip of water and he was out of the race? Right. So people now will be very aware of that going into the race. So right. uh, they've, they've maybe nipped it in the bud. And uh, poor Xavier has, you know, taken the bullet for everyone. Yeah. Um, maybe it was a little bit harsh, but they've certainly nipped it in the bud. Um, you yeah. Know, everyone will know this story now. Everyone in the running will knows this story. And they know if you take any aid outside of an aid station, you will be out of this race. Right. He was out for a sip of water. Now, if you're there and, you know, you're taking a slice of pizza and a can of Coke, you know you're out. You know, no <laughs> right. question. Right. You know, certainly set a uh, uh, a standard that, that will be adhered to going forward.
0: Right. And, I mean, there are all kinds of nuances. Somebody, uh, it might have even been Xavier himself, said early on in the race somebody was giving out candy to everybody yeah. isn't that outside aid and but the point is that this was your crew that met you whether they met you on purpose or inadvertently or by happenstance or whatever yeah. this was your crew and this you know aid however minor it might have been was available yeah. only to you not to this was not a yeah. random person who was handing out something to anyone who wanted it so yeah. I think that's a pretty clear and easy distinction to make. Yeah,
1: I I would guess going forward at the race meeting they'll just you know make an extra point about this, like hey, everyone, you know, just to make sure you've been clear with the rules. I mean, they probably do already. I don't know. This is Um, clearly going to be a point of emphasis. Yeah, like don't take anything from anyone. If someone's offering you a sweet on the course, don't take it. Right. Right. You know, um, or a beer at a river crossing or whatever. You know, don't don't take anything. Um, And it makes sense. I mean, unfortunately, he's. You know, come across on a hard decision. It was a, maybe a little foolish. It was maybe I don't think he meant any harm by it. I think it was a it was a mistake. Right. But uh, you know, the the committee there at, the, at Hard Rock made that decision, and they've certainly
0: set the standard
1: there. You do anything outside meditation, you're out basically.
0: I would have, like I said, I, I'm not. I, I I don't disagree necessarily with the disqualification. I would have been just as happy with a substantial time penalty and. Honestly, there, there's no definition in the rule book as to what a time penalty could be or should be or needs to right. be. Make it whatever you want. You know, yeah. if, he, if they, I mean, like we said, he had a two to three hour lead at that point. You want to give him a four hour time penalty or a six hour time penalty and just ensure that he's not the winner of the race? I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah. Even so, you, just you, you finish, but we're going to place you last.
0: That was a, a, a suggestion that you had that I loved. Yeah. Right. You run to the finish. We'll record your time. You're an official finisher, but you're officially the last place finisher. Yeah. I'm fine with that too. I think he did himself no favors by not finishing the race. Agreed.
1: Yeah. He should've he should have run to the end, you know, been the first person to the finish line by three hours and then maybe argued his point. Yes. I don't know, maybe would have had a better better ground sound to and say, Hey, look, you know, here's what happened, had a chance to talk about it, had a chance to get some sleep. Right. Maybe get a better translator and then right. and then have a, a chat with him about it. You know, maybe see if they could
0: figure something out. No, that's exactly right. I think you <laughs> And, and unfortunately, and again, it might've been a language thing or something like that. I I really wish somebody on his team and I I know it's hard, you know, I'm sure they were talking to him at that point at one o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And you've been out for 21 hours and you're exhausted and you're pissed off. And, you know, I, it's hard to blame him for saying, oh, you're not letting me finish or I'm disqualified. Screw you. I'm not doing the last nine miles. I do wish somebody on his team would have said, look, we've got a three hour lead. We'll jog it in. We're yep. gonna win this thing by two, two and a half hours at the minimum. Yeah. And then and then we'll see what happens. We'll yeah. lodge our protest and in the morning, you know, let yeah. let let's let the yep. light of day kind of play this thing yep. out a little bit. But certainly he, he waived his right to kind of Yeah, I'd like to know why he prot- did that.
1: I don't think anyone asked him that question. And, like I saw Iron Farr interviewed right.
0: him, but they didn't ask that question. I think that was a key question. Like why didn't why you wouldn't you just go at that
1: point? You're nine miles out from the finish, you had a three hour lead. I th- um, In the just, court of
0: public opinion, I think it would have helped quite a bit, yeah. and he would have been he would have been on very firm ground to yeah. have a real a real yeah. protest. Not that maybe it wouldn't have done anything, but yeah. I think the perception of it would have been different yeah. had he gone on to do that. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was an interesting. I mean, and then of course all kinds of garbage happened online with pe- thro- people throwing accusations around. It yeah. really got disgusting. You know, Killian yeah. had. One interesting thing that, that came out of his take that I saw was, you know, and he, he basically was saying, you know, it's kind of sucks for, for Xavier. It's, he was obviously the best guy in the day, but rules are rules, and I understand, I support the board's decision, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really say anything controversial. The one thing that I took away from what Killian had to say was, he was really uh, of the opinion that, you know, there really shouldn't be pacing or crew or anything. It should, you know, all of these races have plenty of aid. I mean, there are unsupported yeah. races out there. But something like Hard Rock, where you have really world-renowned aid stations that are fully stocked and everything else, yeah. you know, just do it without pacers and crew and just make that the standard that, that all the other races go by. That's an interesting take.
1: Yeah, I would say I like the idea of no crew. Uh the only thing I'd say with pacers would be you know some people you know some people get into difficulty and might need someone to help get them off the mountain or right. to say to them look you know I think I think you're out of this race. Just as help a safety you down. issue. As a safety issue for yeah. some people. Yeah. That'd
0: be my only thing with pacers. Yeah. But yeah certainly say right no crew. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that would be fine. It's it would be flying in the face of a lot of tradition obviously. Yeah. And as we talked about last time you know western states has a long tradition and they are kind of the bellwether for a lot of these things uh, as the as the first hundred mile trail race in the country you know what they do goes and and i don't think they're getting rid of crew anytime soon so
1: yeah well it's fun to have people there you know your family kind of helped you you know support you. you trained your friends you know bring them out for the race
0: but it's a, but it's a, Makes it a
1: fun atmosphere and
0: and i think on on the whole i think it's a positive like it's going to benefit you more than it's going to harm you but it's an added stress that maybe you don't need in terms of putting your crew together and the instructions yeah. and and everything else i mean yeah it's definitely a net positive but part of me thinks it's yeah, it's one less thing to worry about if you yeah. you know if you just said you know nobody has that advantage moving forward anyway Yes, unfortunate for Xavier. Uh, There's plenty more that people can read about this online uh, to their heart's content. Jeff Browning taking advantage, being right place, right time, and uh, taking the win there, completing another very impressive Western States hard rock double. Yeah, Just just a little bit behind his own record for the same double from two years ago. And I think he said, uh, I don't know if that was his fifth finish or he's, I think next year maybe, I think now... I think that was his fourth finish, and he's guaranteed a spot for next year. And if he gets his fifth General finish five. next year, then he's in the the five timers club, and he's pretty much guaranteed entry whenever he wants. So, and I mean, uh, let's not worked be, I mean, out well for Jeff him. Jeff Browning
1: had a race on there as well. I mean, against uh,
0: yes, Jeff Rome was just. I mean, he was like fifteen Jeff Rome minutes was, behind was him, not far behind. And, and Troy Howard was, yeah, was right there was for a while. And,
1: that, uh, was, that was. A t- I mean, I think that Jeff Browning was in the last aid station, and Jeff came into that aid station when he was there. I think that's what that it was. close. It was that close. Wow! Yeah. I think it was that close. And it was fifteen, fourteen minutes in the end, something like that. Wow! And coming um, from
0: from Maine too. Yeah, lowlander. Yeah, really impressive. very very impressive. Yeah, that turned into that turned into a race. What well, looked like it was probably going to just be a race for second uh, turned into a, a real battle for the win there. Sabrina Stanley, just a very very impressive performance. Yeah. Uh, really yeah, fulfilling. Kimball went problems.
1: out hard. She yep. she looked really impressive i think to start off with and then but sabrina stanley just you know she'd been out in the san juans for like two months or something she'd been getting some serious training done right. out there so she thought she was very strong towards the finish
0: and that's two good really strong hundred mile finishes for her this year after her yeah. fourth pla- fourth place i think it hurt yeah uh, really shaping into and turning into a nice year for her one other thing i wanted to just say about hard rock and i know this is blasphemy do I have to keep giving a shit about hard rock? Yeah, of course you do. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> you know, it's like the dream
1: race for most people. You know, okay. I, mean, I think it's so good. I I'm understand. even going to put it's... an entry in this year. Why not?
0: <laughs> I'm sure you'll have no problem getting in, just like oh, states yeah, like, Just uh, be in... like
1: One in 4,000 chance. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Here's the thing it, yes, it's a dream race for, for many people. I am not one of those people necessarily. Now, when you get in and/or Brian gets in, I am thrilled to go out there and pace you guys. Like, I think it would be a really, really fun place to. I think the thought pace. of
1: running single track in the mountains with you would be the most entertaining thing. I cannot wait for you to pace me. That would be brilliant. Hearing you moan <laughs> for ten hours straight about these ten. single track tra- trails. Ten yeah, or do- four.
0: <laughs> ten or four moving well. Yeah. For somebody who this race is not on their bucket list as a race, uh, you know fine as a pacing event. As, as somebody speaking from the headset that I'm wearing right now as a fan of the sport, why do I have to give a shit? Because this is a an event that goes to great pains to market themselves as a run and not a race and to maintain whatever the community feel or community atmosphere that they have established there. And and more power to them. That That is obviously a huge attraction for people who keep coming back to this race every year and continually cite just the the people there and the community and everything else. But they go to great pains to keep it that way and to keep it from being... Not to keep it from being, but, but to... They, they, they are not in any way trying to grow this as a competitive event from my perspective. And that's fine. But the amount of coverage and media attention and just attention in general that this race gets is far and away above the i feel that what it deserves as a competitive event and <laughs> i'm just i'm tired of it i'm tired of hard rock i got to tell you i know it's, yeah. it's 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 heresy but
1: i think one of the things you know kind of the blowback from this disqualification was a lot of people had that opinion they're like why do i care so much about this race right you know um i think that it's just you know the the history the the altitude, the mountains, the amount of climbing, the difficulty to get in makes it attractive. You know, what you can't have, you
0: want. But that's a self-fulfilling um, prophecy. I mean, if nobody gave a shit about it, nobody would give a shit about it, you know?
1: <laughs> I think the problem is it's just too late for that. People right. do. You I know, guess. They want to be part of that club. I they guess. They want to be, you know, a hard rocker. want to kiss the stone. They want to kiss the
0: rock. Yeah. Um,
1: that was my thing. It's like, maybe they didn't want Xavier to win because he was going to French kiss that rock and it would just look ugly
0: just the you know, optics of it or like thing. The, just the germs
1: just well i don't know no like his his like style of like european kissing just i didn't think it looked good it's just gonna be How too is much that
0: killian's won it i don't know but killing spanish maybe it just gives it a two quick
1: two quick yeah, picks <laughs> killian uh, sorry xavier <laughs> uses tongue i don't know yeah i don't know who knows <laughs> we'll never know
0: that was the other thing that i just wanted to mention quickly that that the distinction you know however artificial it may be between a race and a run and and again like i said they they've they've gone to great pains to classify this and and keep the image of this this event i'll say the way that they want to and that was one of the things that kind of just kind of struck a little bit of an odd chord with me in terms of this disqualification or this decision this this was very much a decision made by a race not by a run at least from from my perspective it yeah, just I it think just no one would disagree with that it, it struck me a little bit oddly it wasn't it wasn't something that you know goes along with this this kind of feel or community that they're kind of trying to perpetuate and yeah. again i don't I disagree mean, with the decision i'm just saying it, it it was a little bit it didn't strike the right tone i guess
1: i i you know i i think that if you think about the ultra running community it's kind of a warm cuddly fuzzy nothing's a problem oh you know that you know that was a mistake that wasn't and this was kind of like it was a little you know, jarring you'll be brought out at dawn and executed you know it wasn't <laughs> this like hey don't worry about it you know plenty more races this was kind of a real extreme DQ, right. and I think a lot of people feel the community is very warm and cuddly, and right. and
0: it's inclusive and caring. And this was kind of like it was jarring, you know. It was it was unexpected, and it was um, yeah. It, it just it was an odd. It, it was just weird. It was weird. Anyway, that's more than enough on Hard Rock. What else has been going on other than you know, minimally competitive races in the
1: middle? Well, talking of fun-looking races, I think Lavaredo looks absolutely amazing out there in the dolomites yeah so we mentioned a of americans crushing
0: out there. i mentioned Lavaredo. i don't know last time we did this a month or six weeks ago and it is unfortunate that uh, from our perspective anyway that it's the same day as states and and i think get, gets a little bit lost in the shuffle in terms of all the coverage that states engenders around here but that really does look like just an unbelievable race
1: amazing yeah i was on the website today having a look and the dolomites are kind of jagged and you know, low vegetation, super steep you, mountains. I'm sure you've been there
0: to the Dolomites. Have no, I've never been to the Dolomites. Oh.
1: Been to the Alps plenty of times, but uh, yeah. never over to the Dolomites. But it's it looks amazing. Like an amazing race. Uh,
0: the, I mean, I've been to one small area of the Dolomites ten, no, fifteen years ago yeah unbelievably gorgeous yeah. just gorgeous and the trails are amazing i mean I, I don't know that i'd want to race on them hard but it, it would just be an amazing place and yeah no, i'd want you to place
1: me there to hear you whining about single track <laughs> and rocky stubbing your toe <laughs> <But> <laughs> just the, totally entertain me for multiple hours on the trails
0: the americans killing it there as you mentioned yeah. uh, hayden wolf. hawks looking great kelly yeah. wolf sweeping the the men and the women for the long course um, right. zach miller and hillary allen i think sweeping the the short course as well Really, a, a great performances over there, and I think, you know, in in some ways, it is kind of the same names that are that are the, uh, among the U.S. contingent that keep cropping up in these European races. But for anyone who is of the opinion that Americans can't compete on the big stages in Europe, I think these yeah. men and women are just proving it over and over that that is and not the case. You know,
1: Kelly Wolf got a spot at States, right? Didn't she? she turned it turned down. It down to Do Laverado. Laverado. That's exactly right. Nice move, right? Goes out there and wins it worked it. out. Worked yeah. out well.
0: Uh, No, so that was really, really fantastic racing over there. What else? Some local stuff recently. We had uh, the U.S. 50-mile championships up at Cayuga Trails uh, just a couple weeks back. Uh, Sabrina, not Sabrina Stanley, Sabrina Little. Crushing. Coming back for the third time there and getting her first win, I think her fifth national championship. Yep. Yep and really destroying, just destroying the field. Course record, 8.06. Course yeah, record, 8.06, a very fast. good time. Very good. And on what is a more difficult course and a slightly longer course than it's been yeah. in the past, uh, yeah. that course has undergone some changes in the last couple of years. And she had struggled her first couple times there. I mean, running well, but not necessarily yeah. up to her standards, but really, really a very, very impressive uh, win for her there over uh, New Yorker Sarah Keys, who is an accomplished Skyrunner. And uh, shout out to Ellie Pell from yeah. Upstate New York as well for in third place. A nice, nice podium there.
1: Yeah, very good. No, that was uh, that was really impressive. And she uh, she won in Rocky, I think Sabrina. And mm-hmm. then I don't
0: know what else she did after that. She kind of she was at uh, World Trail Championships. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. She was, she was uh, uh, part of the, the part US of the U.S. team, the right? US team yeah. that medaled there. Yeah. And uh, she ran well there. Yeah, it's been a very yeah. good season for her. Yeah, um, very good season. That's great. And a dominating win at as That's a hard as well. course now
1: at uh, Cayuga, and uh, you know Cayuga's very difficult. They got very lucky with the weather. Good weather this year. It was it was decent temperatures. So yeah, the, I think that was cool. The
0: date had moved from its usual position in kind of late May, early June yep. to mid July, which in Ithaca yeah. can be just very hot, and yeah. especially very humid. And and they did luck out with. I mean, it's been a it's been a rough. It's been a rough few weeks in upstate New yeah. York here with the humidity, but they great. lucked out on one yeah. of the, it wasn't the ideal day, but it was a, a much better day than they could have had. Yeah, that's a, that's
1: a tough course now. You know, when we did it what, two it's, years ago. It's very tough. A great course. I mean, absolutely amazing. The waterfalls, the gorges, I mean, absolutely stunning. Yeah, but those so, stairs will get
0: you. I mean, it is just a lot yeah. of stairs and it, it's, it's a difficult one. Yep. Vermont 100. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because there was some controversy going on there. Uh, what popped up online there? Vermont 100, long-standing 100-mile 100 race, one of the original Grand Slams, and uh, really a very uh, well-regarded and well-run event that Amy Rusecki took over as the RD a couple of years ago. Came under uh, quite a bit of fire online in the lead-up to the race uh, regarding the award structure for the uh, top men and women. Uh, no prize money, as far as I'm aware. But, uh, you know, they kind of were sticking to their, their long-standing tradition of top five, or sorry, top 10 men and, and top, top five, five women, women receiving yeah. awards. Now, yep. Amy went online and, and kind of talked about some of the rationale behind that and, you know, pointed out that in the past it had just been top 10 overall, regardless of men or women, and, and there right. were many years where no women got awards, and that's, uh, you know, I think a remnant of kind of Ultra Running's distant past. Right. But you know she had some different arguments and, and data to back up the decision to keep it at, at ten yeah, and five. Yeah, I mean,
1: she, she obviously thought about it in. Oh in yes, detail. it was it you know, was something I mean, that she, she had wasn't not something that she just.
0: You know, exactly, it's something that she there. was something well she aware of.
1: Really, really thought about.
0: But there was a lot of of outrage and a lot of pressure, and eventually, um, uh, shortly before the race, they yeah. announced that they would be giving top ten to both. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Because I have a few.
1: I, I think that was the right move. I mean, I like the idea of, you know, it being equal, even if there are different, you know, numbers in different events. You know, it's like, um, I just think it encourages people. Right. You know, what if that 10th person walks away with an award? You know, 10th woman walks away. And that inspires them to think, hey, you know what? I went to this race. I got an award. Right. And I like the ultra running. I'm into it. I, I just, I don't know. I feel it's fair. I think that what she was doing uh, you know, she thought about it a lot and it was kind of seemed a bit more kind of, of a, a mathematical approach, a scientific approach. Right. I, I like the approach of like, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, be inclusive. Let's encourage people to be in this sport. Let's right. make it fair, make it equal. Um, I, I'm glad that the top 10, both men and women, got, got awards in the end.
0: I think in this day and age, I think it's it's important to appear fair and it's important to be fair. And I think this decision to make it equitable top 10 in each uh, fulfills both of those criteria and yes there we have a problem in ultra running now i don't know if it's a problem we have an a an issue in ultra running now where the majority of ultra running finishes are male and by perpetuating kind of Inequalities like this, I think, is only going to perpetuate that ultimate inequality of yep, uh, more, more men than women. If, if we're going yeah. to work towards a, a, a world in which 50% or approximately 50% of finishers are women, we have to be, you know, we, we have to be as equitable as, as possible in the general sense, I think, in terms of stuff like this, like awards, whether or not, again, I, I understand her mathematical arguments and everything else. And to some degree, they make some, some sense. But yeah. we're not going to kind of move towards a place of overall equality without addressing stuff like this. And that, that's the first step towards a lot of these things. What else? What else? Bad water this past weekend. Past week, I should say. Uh, another race that I really don't care about. But... Yeah. Um, It'd suit you, though. <laughs> in what way? A nice technical <laughs> road. <laughs>
1: yeah, but the heat... Oh, God. You can handle the heat, come on. I can't, I can't. I'll just run along pouring water on you. Oh no, that'd be outside aid. Be...
0: I think nah, you're allowed to do that, it, though. Yeah, I don't
1: know about bad water. I, I mean, it sounds kind of cool. It's not really my bag, I don't think. Oh God, but, it was 127 uh, degrees there. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. Absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, it's not a race we need to spend a ton of time on. Although Harvey Lewis, who finished his Appalachian Trail uh, through run, in yep. just about 50 days, just under 50 49 days, 49 days, was, yep. just a few days off the record. Uh, really impressive for, again, somebody we talked about when he first started that. Not, not somebody who's really known for his prowess on the trails, really yeah. a roadie. Uh, had a, a really nice performance on the AT, and then less than a week later was in Badwater and finished Badwater. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Yeah.
1: And uh, I think it's Peter Kostelnik. Yep. He
0: didn't finish took a DNF, and is now heading up to Alaska, right? Yeah,
1: to run the uh, from Alaska to Key West, Florida. <laughs> Sounds like fun times. Peekest is down that the... you? Would that suit you, that kind of thing?
0: No. Probably not.
1: No. I think of all the food on the way. The, like, it's a lot be of eating. Googling would be the good. eating spots on the way. there
0: would be a lot of good food. Yeah. I well, um, would see. I don't know if it would be a lot of good food. It would be a lot of uh, lot of convenience stores. <laughs> You know, a lot of donuts. That would that would be fun, Pete. I mean, that the transcontinental record he uh, set—I think it was two summers ago now, three summers ago maybe—really, really really impressive. Just took a huge chunk out of a record that had stood for about thirty-five years, actually. And but you know, he's uh, before he was a two-time Badwater champion before that, and a member of the U.S. twenty-four-hour team. Has not been himself since that twenty-four hour run from a competitive standpoint, or since, since the transcontinental run right. from a competitive standpoint. I've seen very few, if any, results, and now he's going back and doing an even longer transcontinental right. run. I, won, I i just wonder if his days as a uh, competitive force are, are.
1: I guess he's got a taste for these like super long kind of. Good for him. I mean, he's clearly clearly routes. built for it. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, amazing. It'll that'll be something to watch at least. Uh some other FKT news. Uh, yeah,
1: Nolan's 14. Yeah. Joe Grant unsupported record 49 uh, hours 38
0: minutes. Unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean that's that's moving. Yeah. Uh the biggest FKT news from my standpoint and what I would have voted for as my most impressive performance of any type since Western States was Killian. Yes, Bob Graham round, right? So the Bob Graham round has uh, that's captured. That's one that's captured my imagination for some Been around reason. Around
1: for a while. 1982, it was set right. Billy Bland. that record.
0: That record was set in 1982. The first Bob Graham round, which was I don't know how long ago that was. 50 years, maybe more. Probably. I think it was 60 years. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, but yeah, Billy Bland, 1982, with uh, 13 hours and 53 minutes, and you know that that's not. That That's a record that many, many, many greats have taken shots at. Um, yeah. that That is a classic route that hundreds, if not thousands of people have attempted. And uh, for him to just obliterate that record like he did. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't be amazed by anything at this point with Killian, but uh, he just continues to really just astound, I think, with, with his...
1: Yeah, and and apparently he was like super nice, super respectful out there. He went sure. and visited Billy and said, "Hey, you know, like I'm gonna run the Bob Graham round. I'm going for the record." And they chatted, and he was cool, you know. And he and uh, Billy Blam was there waiting at uh, the the moot hall in Keswick for him, and uh, he had a good crowd of people there. Yeah, big big cool scene at the finish yeah, for amazing. sure.
0: Killian, I think, goes out of his way to pay homage to those who came before and just to the mountains and and the scene in general. Yeah, he
1: he definitely gets it, I think.
0: And the the Bob Graham has, I think, I'm not speaking from firsthand experience or anything, but it it seems as though, you know, as it's gotten more and more publicity in the past few years, there was a a book a few years ago called uh, Feet in the Clouds, which brought uh, a little bit more notoriety to that as well. And you know, it seems like the the locals have been—I don't want to say discouraging people from coming in and taking cracks at it—but they really want the community to be supported there, and and for people to yeah. come in and and you know help you know see what it's about before they take their their shot yeah. at it, and and to they don't want mercenaries coming in and just you know trying to to they they really want people to respect the history and, and respect the people who live there and, and the clubs that kind of maintain this area, and and that the the locals are are you know, really happy to help people in their attempts, but they really want you to kind of have some buy-in first. And it seems like Killian was very respectful of that. And as he usually is just, you know, a wonderful ambassador for the sport in general, I think. Uh, I I hate to feel on this podcast like we're always, you know. uh, Talking about Killian. Or just singing his praises, but it's hard not to. I mean, he really makes most, if not all the right moves in terms of just the way he manages his business and and everything else and yeah uh it'll be fun to see what he's got in store i mean i know coming back from an injury he's been he's otherwise been... a little bit out of the spotlight you know kind of picking his spots yeah, here and he won there won
1: the but... uh mont blanc marathon yep um very very good performance there yep and then uh, bob graham round i don't know what he's uh, got going on next but uh he, he he dropped out of hard rock as we said before right which was a shame yeah um But uh, yeah, I guess just, you know, it is that extra distance, that extra time, you know, the 24-hour area. Sure.
0: Sure. And we'll see. I mean, we're about four weeks, I guess, away from UTMB.
1: Yeah. Is he doing UTMB? I don't know. I would say probably not.
0: I have no idea. Maybe he is. Who knows? We'll have to see. Uh, UTMB, I think what I'd like to do is have an episode, like a preview episode after we both get back from our our trips. I'm not going to have a ton of turnaround time, but we should get together and, and yeah, just sit good. down with the list because, you know, UTMB, I think is going to be great if the same guys that we're expecting to be there are there. Yeah, Debo is going to be at TDS, which is really going to be a, a yeah. lot of fun to watch. CCC obviously we see has... We Jim back in action at UTMB. We might see Jim. And, and you know, with the newfound confidence that he'll have oh, yeah. coming off the of States, we could really see some fireworks there. Yeah, so we we'll want to play that. I think that's that. going to be amazing. Yeah. That's exciting.
1: Um, I just want to give a quick shout out, Manitou's Revenge. We didn't mention that. Like, we cool, did not. Uh, Mike Suli, Charlie Gadol. Yeah. So putting p- on an uh, amazing 54-mile race in the uh, Catskills, 15,000 feet of gain. As they say, it's harder than most 100-milers. Yes. Yes. So Not your kind of race. No.
0: So go back and listen to, if you have not listened already, to my interview with Mike Sudi, who uh, just set the FKT for covering all of the peaks in the Catskills. He and, as you said, Charlie Godola, the co-directors for Manitou's Revenge. So Manitou's, like you said, 54 miles in the Catskills, basically all single track, very few. I think it's all single track. And this is hardcore East Coast Catskill Mountain single track. This is no switchbacks, you know, rock scrambles, boulders, roots. And as you said, just probably one of the more difficult 50 milers out there. Yes, I'd say possibly the most difficult 50 miler.
1: 54 miler. Uh, Kerr Davis winning for the women. Second time? Third time? Uh, I think it could be her third time. She's, she's very good on that kind of terrain. Yep. Uh, Andy Vermilia Andy Vermilion. Winning for the men. Really impressive. Uh, taking out some good runners, including yeah. our own Ben Nephew. Yeah, Ben just a little bit behind him. Yeah, the defending champ. And uh, local runner Megan Young. Uh, resident of Newport, I think, still? Or uh, Kingston? She was third. Oh, Kingston, yeah. Newport, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Was, she was third, so it was cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good uh, good race. Had a Had a... Another epic day in the mountains for people there up in the Catskills. Was, yeah, you uh, were great. you
0: were there just seven days after Bighorn.
1: Yeah, I paced uh, a local uh, running legend out there from start to finish, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was having a good day. It was yeah. got into the finish line.
0: My favorite Manitou story. I'll just tell this as quickly as possible since we're getting near the end. Not but my I'm, Lube
1: story, is it? No, no, oh, good. Okay, uh, we won't tell that. And
0: I don't really have any Manitou stories because I. Uh, have no, other than working aid stations, have no interest in that trail. But on the, the rental car bus back from Rocket Raccoon, as we are <laughs> basically in varying degrees of zombification, uh, getting back to the airport after dropping off our rental car, looking across the aisle uh, to a, a couple who had clearly hobbled onto the bus with the kind of post 100-mile gate, and both looked as if they had been through the ringer. And we got to chatting to them a little bit. Doing a bad way. They were in a bad way and we were, we were a little bit better. They, they did not look happy at all, but you know, we figured out that they were kind of close to this area and they were asking about what other, and and let me preface this by saying that they were talking about how difficult Rocky Raccoon had been, which is a, is not the easiest course in the world, but it's not the hardest. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a fun course. It's right up my alley. Uh, it is certainly nowhere on the East coast, uh, Manitou's revenge kind of scale. And, uh, as we got to talking to them, they, they they started asking what kind of races we liked or what were some of our fun, uh, most enjoyable races. And Phil, uh, just you know, first thing out of his mouth, you should come do Manitou's. It's a great, great race. It's beautiful. I said, Phil, you can't tell people that they should come do Manitou's. It really, it's not give. <laughs> it's not setting people up to succeed. How do we
1: know? They they've probably done it now. They probably applied. They probably loved it. They're amazing <laughs> mountain runners now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll keep an I'll keep an eye out on the results for them next year. We'll have we'll a look. Yeah. Anything else?
1: I think that's it. All right. Uh, Mount Marathon, I guess, was was a couple of weeks ago. David Norris winning that was so, uh, was good. And uh goat Ruth Croft. David Oh Sinclair. yeah, speed goat. Yeah. 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 Good, that was uh, some good
0: stuff. Good stuff there, and good to see you Sage, know, you know, back yeah. in action. I'm curious to see where New he's second, going. right? Tim Tollefson, third. Yep. So Tim, I'm sure, kind Sam of Nolan aiming for um, aiming toward UTMB, and and I wonder if Sage will be too, because I know in the past when he has run UTMB, he's used Springboard uh, Speed Goat as a as a uh, kind of lead into that. So okay. yeah, that would be great to see. Hopefully, he's he's healthy and in the field there. He's been kind of quiet uh, since uh, some marathons in the early season. So. Cool. All right, Phil. Thank you very much for joining me once again Absolute on a alcohol free episode yeah good uh stuff. good luck next next weekend yeah, you're only a week weekend. away you're a week, a, from week a week from tomorrow tomorrow yeah going and up to the fat dog right. 103 and then I'm, I'm a week later and then uh yeah let's reconvene in a couple of weeks we'll do a quick recap on how our respective days went and we'll do a utmb slash tds slash ccc preview
1: Sounds good, and we'll uh, we'll stay off the Diet Coke and uh, Seltzer water for that one, I think.
0: Yeah, no, maybe we'll break into something a little bit more fun. Sounds good to me. Thank you guys very much for joining us tonight. Until next time, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years
1: have been long enough, but I'm not dead.
0: Not faded, just been faded, like a good old pair of jeans. Ooh. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seemed too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the light sky in Wild man, They ride the bus and feel upset to think of all.
1: I was still young, and I was still.